the message today is going to start with a testimony. The testimony is what spurred the thoughts that brought me to the scriptures that got this whole thing organized, hopefully in a way that's going to be meaningful to you to make sure that we're dealing with things in this time the way we ought to deal with them, that our worldview is biblical. Our worldview is not from the, the thought process, the, the wisdom um, of the world through anything but what God gives us through the scriptures and affirms by his spirit. So um, Dana Hill was a participant in this testimony, and I think it would be best if we heard it from her. So Dana, if you would, and Steve, if you could, I'll look at you, if you could spotlight her, let's go. Um, the testimony actually is, um, it involves um, my friend Janet also, but she um, returned to work yesterday, thank Jesus, because she's been off for the last nine months. And um, in that nine months is when I met her. Um, we met through a mutual friend. And um, it was, my friend had met her and said, you know, I think you need to talk to my friend Dana. I think she can really help you work through some things. So we met a couple times and talked and um, just so we could I, I get to know each other. Anyway, so through this whole process, um, Janet is such an all-in person, like with everything that she does. So what she's walked through in the last probably six months for a lot of people would take years, but she is just so eager to be through with it and, and move on to the next part of her life. And there's one thing that she's really struggled with this whole thing, this whole time. And the, the last time she was on with us, um, well, two weeks ago, um, Patty had a word for her about her migraine and it was control that she needed to let go of control. And she's known this for quite a while, but she had no idea how to do it. She kept asking me, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I said, I, I don't really know how to tell you to do it because we all through, walk through different things in different ways. And, and her, the rest of her testimony, the, the reason that she does have this control um, is amazing also, but that's not my story to tell. So anyways, um, so she, um, I had talked to her on, or we were texting Sunday morning or Monday morning, but anyway, Sunday afternoon, um, I'm sitting in the family room and I hear a bird in my fireplace and this happens all the time. Um, it's a gas fireplace. So the flue comes down and then there's a metal tray that divides it's sealed off from the flame. So there's been many times over the years that birds have gotten in there. They'll build nests. I don't know what up higher looks like. I hear a nest in there now, like, they're singing all the time, but this time the bird was actually, it like fell all the way down and I'm fine looking at birds through a window. I don't like them very close to me. So Sunday night I was sitting in the family room and I could hear it, hear it, hear it. And then all of a sudden I saw it looking at me. I'm like, Oh, I have to do something about this. So it quieted down Sunday night and I thought, well, maybe in the morning, the light at the top of the flu, it will fly up. No, it didn't. So it woke me up Monday morning. It was being really loud, running back and forth and, and like throwing itself all over the place. So as I was texting Janet, I said, I need to figure out how to get this thing out of here. And she said, do you want me to come help you? And I'm like, no, I'll be able to do it. And then when I came downstairs and I looked and it was staring at me, I texted her back. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need a little help. So 
through. So she said to me, funny thing. Um, she said to me, it's going to be mad when it comes out because of its fight or flight reaction. And she said, shine a light on it. Maybe it'll be attracted to the light. I didn't think anything of it. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know it. the fight in flight action, you know, reaction, it's, it's going to be angry. And if I could just get it out of there without it flying around my house, I'll be so happy. So anyway, so she came and helped me. And as she was on her way here, I was got my um, cordless screw gun and I'm trying to figure out what pieces I can take off without disturbing the integrity of a gas fireplace. I don't want to create any kind of gas leak. So I took a couple pieces off and of course I got my supplies. I got, um, I have no idea why I did this, but I have painter's tape. I have a tarp. I have a garbage bag. I have a couple pair of gardener gloves, which is not going to protect you from a biting bird. But anyways, they were here. And, um, I think that was it. So I had those laying on the family room floor. So I had taken a couple pieces of metal off and she got here and she's like, well, shine the light in there. Cause I think it's gone. And she's like, she looks and she's like, it's not gone. I said, no, it's not gone. So we can hear it running back and forth and we can see it. And you can see how it fell because there was like a bunch of bird nest stuff on the tray also. Like it was making a nest and it actually fell through. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this because the opening is literally like one inch maximum is the amount of room we have to get this bird out. And it did sound like an eagle. I was pretty sure it was an eagle um, that was stuck in there. Um, so we're like looking and we're, we're, you know, we put a stick in there and we're trying to maneuver it to get it to go towards the flu. So maybe it'll fly back up. So we actually got it on this stick and we were like pushing it up into the flu, but obviously there's not enough room for it to flap its wings and to fly upward. So it just kept falling back down. So we're like, we have to get it out. It's either going to die in here and smell really bad or it's going to burn when I have the fireplace on and I have to get it out. So we figured out if I took two of the metal brackets that I took off and I kind of stuck them in there in like a V and I kind of trapped it because it couldn't go anywhere because we only had an inch of area to work with. And so I was, as I'm pulling it forward and the bird comes forward pretty soon, the bird's head is at the opening and it's looking at both of us. And we're looking at each other going, I don't know how we're going to do this. So Jana puts on one of the gloves and she reaches towards it and she actually grabs its head in her hand. And at the moment that she grabbed its head, it like completely relaxed. Like it, it completely just gave up basically. And she just kind of looked at me and I'm like, okay. And she goes, I feel like if I start pulling this thing, I'm going to crush it as I pull it through. So I'm just, I, I got my two sticks in there cause I'm trying to keep it from going backwards and she's holding on to it and I just prayed I said Lord you know we're trying to help this bird please just help us get this bird out of here alive so as she starts to pull it by the head she's like I I feel like I can hear its bones like moving and I said well just we have to get it out whether it's going to be alive or not we have to get it out so she pulled it out and as she pulled it out she actually had it in her hand and it didn't even move. She was still holding the head and she had the bird in her palm. 
And we ran to the back door and I opened the back door and she stepped out on the deck and we're just kind of looked at each other and she released it and it flew away. And we were both so excited. We're like, oh my gosh, we didn't kill the bird. It's alive. It's alive. So as we're coming back into the house, okay, so midway through this process, as soon as she grabs it, I realize that there is some kind of purpose for this as, as it kind of just relaxes. And I didn't say anything because I didn't, I didn't feel like it was time to say anything. So anyways, so we let it go. We come back in the house and she goes, that was so cool. As soon as it submitted, I was able to help it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And she goes, yeah, as soon as it gave up control, I, I was able to pull it out. And I said, yeah, that, that's really cool. So we walk back into the family room and I'm putting the pieces back in. And I said, isn't it weird how when you give up control, something becomes so much easier? And she's like, yeah, that was so awesome the way the bird just laid there. So I'm like, I'm not sure how far I'm supposed to push this. So I don't want to offend her or she's pretty open to things that I say to her. And she's usually when I say something to her, she'll resist and I'll just say, okay, you know, I'll say, well, you should probably do this. No, I don't want to do that. I say, okay. And then later she'll text me or call me and say, all right, I, I know I need to do this. How do I go about this? So I, I didn't say anything. So Janet has an amazing um, ability to speak to God and to hear God. Like, and people say, how do you know it's God? Because some of the stuff that she tells me says, I'm like, well, you definitely need to do that, but where'd that come from? You know, it's not anything that she came up with on her own. So in she literally, I would say 98% of the time that she goes to speak with the Lord, she hears him. There's been a couple of times where she's like, I don't hear anything. I'm like, well, maybe he wanted you to think about something more. So she has an amazing, amazing ability to speak to the Lord and to hear what he's saying, not just for herself, but for other people too. And so she left the house and I think, you know, I thanked her and, and cleaned up all my mess and she left the house. And about 15 minutes later, I get a phone call and it was her. And I said, hello. And she said, Hey, and I said, what's up? And she said, so I was talking to the Lord on my way home. And I said, yeah. And she gets this disgusted, like sigh. And she's like, he told me I'm the bird. And I just started cracking up. I'm like, he told you you're the bird. She goes, yeah. He said, you're the bird. I'm the bird. And I said, wow. Um, and I was laughing. She goes, you knew that, didn't you? And I go, well, maybe. <laughs> so she was, she seemed so frustrated and like disappointed that she didn't realize it. And I said, Janet, don't be frustrated or disappointed because this whole time that we've been working through all these things, and trust me, she has walked through a ton, and her testimony is going to be amazing. Um, but I said, the control issue, you know, in, in fear of whatever's going on around you that you need to control it. I said, he just gave you the most incredible physical, like, you did it. You saw it. It's not somebody saying, oh, well, imagine a bird in a fireplace. And, no, he gave that to you. You actually physically touched it. You felt it submit. You, you, you know that when you let go of the fear that something else can help you. I said, it's not anything to be upset about. I said, so, um, 
been like for the last like three months she's been supposed to have gone back to work and something would happen that she couldn't go like the paperwork wasn't filed right and then this whole um covid thing and nobody could get a hold of the people she needed to write the paperwork that needed to release her and so it's like the lord just set up so many stopping blocks that weren't her fault um to help her because you know he knew that this was coming and so that happened on monday this past monday and she was set to go back on saturday so through the whole week he has been revealing more and more and more and more about this little incident and her giving up the control to where i mean by like thursday she's like i'm a little anxious about going to work and i go yeah but you know, think back on your week. And she's like, yeah, I know it's been awesome. And I said, think about all those things. And I said, when you get to work, when you feel like you're being cornered, when you don't know what your choice should be, think of that moment. Think of that moment. I mean, he gave you a physical, tangible way to recall his goodness. And I said, just go back to that. When you don't think you can make it through the day, when when something's, you know, they ask you to do something that you don't think you can do or just go back to that place. So, yeah, as she um, I will share a little bit more because she did start back to work yesterday and it's not where she planned on being. Um, she works for Kroger, so she's back in the grocery. Um, she's a assistant manager manager assistant manager and like they're in the throes of everything with this whole COVID thing and it's just crazy and all the stores are like weeks behind on everything because they can't get anything done other than just stocking basically empty shelves so she went back um yesterday and she was there for about four hours and got a call from her brother that her grandmother passed away and she had just recently gone and visited her grandmother and um so that was a whole other thing for her to process. So that was another part of her day yesterday. But at the end of the day, when we were able to talk and we were able to put everything in order, she was able to um, have a different perspective on the way her day went. But just the fact that, you know, he's got so good and he's in everything. He's in so many things. So anyways, we didn't take any video, thank goodness, of the whole situation because, yeah, that would have been not, yeah, it would have been hysterical, but um, but afterwards, because she, I mean, she was so close to it and the Lord even said, you looked in its eyes, didn't you? And she's like, yeah, I could see a change in its eyes when I grabbed its head. It's almost like God just holding by you the, by the cheeks and saying, I have you just let go and let me. And, um, so we were, um, talking about it and she is doing so much better at recognizing, you know, of course it's all a process. And I looked up the bird I, I was because we didn't take any pictures of it. She's like, we should have taken a picture of it. So I looked it up and um, found it and it's actually a house sparrow. So I looked up um, the biblical significance of sparrow. And what I found is that sparrows are symbols of freedom, especially as pertains to the freedom to choose between good and evil mm. sparrows are small light birds that easily fit through tight spaces and effortlessly soar to the tops of tall trees biblical authors relate these qualities to the ability of the soul to ascend to heaven through faith and good works so that was just one more reaffirming reaffirming that you know that was the bird that was supposed to be there 
And that was the whole situation that was supposed to happen. And she texted me back and she's like, freedom, do you think that means like for me? And I'm like, yeah, that means for you. And so (laughs) now it's just kind of a joke because every time I finish a text, I have to put a hashtag like he believes you can fly or born to fly or Mm -hmm. flying for Jesus or (laughs) so (laughs) it's, it's a way to make light, but also to bring to remembrance what she just walked through. So that's it so far amen awesome so i titled the message today i'm the bird but i couldn't share it with you because um it would have given away the story last night um kim green had a dream and in the dream i I won't go over all the dreams because i'm not sure exactly who it's for but the issue in the dream was control the um, the testimony that was to start our meeting this morning was about fear and control, like that I have to control things, and 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 that lack of control brings about fear. And here's this little bird that can't find its way out of this dangerous situation. It's it's literally trapped until it surrenders itself, and it just goes limp. And then it can get through the little hole and it can get outside where it can soar and go to the tops of the trees and, and do all those kinds of things. It's just, it's awesome. And, and in some sense, every one of us is the bird. It may not be in the area of control. It may be in the area of something else. There's some place, well, I guess I shouldn't paint with such a broad brush, but there, there's likely or probably some place where um, an untruth is residing inside of us that's limiting our ability to be free. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This morning, uh, you you probably would never recognize this in me, but I I can be somebody who, Steve's laughing, I can be somebody who can get off on a trail and lose sight of where it is I started and where it is we're supposed to be headed. So when I'm trying to put together a message, I try to constantly remind myself not to lose track of the point of the message. And as I was doing that this morning, I was remembering the I'm the bird um, story and a scripture popped into my head. Let me just read this scripture to you. The specific is at the end, but the whole thing fits so beautifully for um, what we're talking about today. So if you have a Bible, I'll give you a quick second turn to Psalm 46. And I believe I'm going to read you the whole entire psalm. And and um, Jackie, I hadn't heard your song in forever, but your song is directly connected to the scripture the Lord gave me this morning when I was thinking about I'm the bird. So Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, and although the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. 
He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob. Well, that was uh, Emery's song. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving, or be still, or let go, or relax. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the, in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. When did the bird get free? When it surrendered. Literally, it went limp before the one greater than itself. The one that could see the bigger situation, the one that actually knew the way out. No different for us. Cease striving, be still. I, I just grabbed these from other scriptures. Most people know this scripture as, be still and know that I am God. The NASB is cease striving. Um, I, I don't remember which is which, but it could be also translated as let go, be still, relax, cease striving, and know that I am God. When you do that, when you cease striving, when you let go, when you just release, you go limp between the fingers of God's hand. That's when your freedom will come. When you cease trying to do for yourself what only God can do with your faith and your trust. The next scripture I have is in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I couldn't find a right place for this, so I'll just throw it in here up front. Uh, it's verse 7. It's a very familiar scripture. 2 Timothy 1.7. Establish who we are and what we have right at the beginning, I guess. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity fear or cowardice. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear or cowardice, but of power and love and discipline or a sound mind. The, the reason I think this needs to be in here is that fear is a spirit or at the very least can be from a spirit. And, and when we're experiencing fear that's not rational, when it's compared with the word of God. Remember in 2 Corinthians 10, every speculation, every uh, lofty thing, every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God is to be cast down. Fear is that. It's a lofty thing. It's an imagination. And it has a spirit, a negative spirit, a bad, evil spirit that's forever trying to feed it to us, trying to find a situation. And don't you know the situation in the world right now is one that the devil is just absolutely thrilled over because it's easy for him to get us to bite on fear when we have all this uncertainty and all this change. But God is not uncertain and God does not change. It's only when we listen to that spirit and we abide in worldly demonic wisdom that we get to this place of fear and we start to operate outside of the Lord. We've taken it on to ourselves. We're the little bird trying to get ourselves out of the fireplace rather than surrendering, being still and knowing that he is God. 
it's funny, I've been talking so much about conditional truths. And let me just give you some truths here at the beginning that you can hang your hat on, but they're conditional. Turn in your Bible to uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. We're going to read 31 and 32. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue, I'm going to be like the, um, what's the Bible with all the extra words? Please help me. The Amplified. I'm going to be like I'm reading from the Amplified Bible because I, I tried to look at multiple translations to get the words that are impactful for these things. So Jesus said, if you continue, you stay, you abide, you remain in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So any person that desires the freedom that Jesus offers has to know his word and his his word his very person is truth jesus says i am the way i am the truth and i am the life so anytime you see jesus he is the personification of truth and anybody that desires the freedom that he offers has to know his word but knowing his word doesn't happen by osmosis Praise God that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us so that spiritual matters can be spiritually discerned. Otherwise, they're foolishness to us. But his word doesn't abide in us unless we abide in it. And it doesn't come by osmosis. If our Bible lives on the coffee table and it only comes up to dust around it and to go back down, then we will never have the freedom that Jesus offers us because we will not know the truth. But then beyond knowing, a true disciple acknowledges or continues or stays or abides or remains or does his word. So in order to have the freedom from fear, in this case, that Jesus offers us, requires us first to know his word, second to acknowledge it in our lives, in our actions, and then... I guess secondly and thirdly are going to blend together, but to actually live his word. When we're confronted with situations that the spirit of fear is trying to use to bring us out of abiding in Christ, we have to stand firm, take that speculation, that lofty thing, cast it down, and declare the word of God is the truth for us in our lives. James um, chapter 1 and verse 22, if you want to try to turn there real quick, speaks to this from a little bit of a different perspective. James chapter 1, verse 22. I'm listening to Teresa's pages turn, so she's my indication of how long it might take to get there. She knows her Bible pretty well, so you'll have to hurry. James 1, 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. There are so many people that, that are, would call themselves Christians at best, or least, at best might actually be Christians, they hear God's word, but they don't do God's word. And God, through James, says that they're under a delusion. To hear God's word, but not to be an effective doer of God's word, is to be a person who doesn't get the benefits of God's word because they're, they're calls to action, they're calls to believing, they're calls to faith. 
And without the actual response to the word, you live in a deluded world, and it doesn't bring you those things that you would expect it to. Let me give you another one. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Maybe next week I'll figure out how to put the scriptures up. It's difficult to just sit and wait. Psalm 119, verse 105. I think Psalm 118 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Is that right? Yeah? Glad I'm not reading that whole thing, huh? Okay, Psalm 19, verse 105. You're speaking to God. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God, whether it's a rhema word that you get, like uh, Janet did when God told her, you're the bird, or from his word, the, the written word that we have, it is a lamp and it's a light so that it can guide you. But to have the word or the scripture and not make effort to know it, or if you know it, not actually acknowledging its truth is like a person walking in the dark in a dangerous place trying to find their way with a flashlight that has no batteries and a lamp or a lamp that has no oil. It's, it's, like, it's like walking through life carrying a Bible but never opening it. They're deluded. They're delusional. While his word is true and valuable and useful, it's powerless without knowledge and application. Uh, let me just share a quick testimony. I have a friend, good friend, I love him. I love his whole family. He's in a really, really difficult spot right now. And he is being attacked ruthlessly, brutally by the spirit of fear. What if this? What if that? What about? What about? What about? Fear and anxiety. And and when he's struggling, he calls me. Now, maybe he calls other folks too. I don't know. But he calls me and we talk. And after we talk, he says, I feel so much better. I feel so much more confident. I feel so peaceful. And the only conversation we have is the word of God. The Lord gives me scriptures. I praise God so much that, that he gives me scriptures. And I just start pounding the fear and pounding the anxiety with this is what God says. This is what God says. This is what God says. And when we're done, he's found peace. And I think it's a great honor to be somebody who can take what God's given me, the tools that he's given me, he's given all of us, and apply those to my brother when he needs a hand. There'll be another time where I'll need a hand and somebody else is going to be the one that applies it to me, where I'm, I'm just too deep in the forest and I can't see the trees. And all of us, for the reasons of being free and living free, but also for the purposes of helping somebody else when they're in the forest and they can't see the trees, to get them out into that place where they can stand in faith and press into the truth and reject that spirit of fear that's trying to get over them. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and I want to show you um, a pattern in these scriptures, as well as these scriptures are speaking specifically to this whole issue of control. I need to control. Matthew 6. I'm going to read uh, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to jump to 27, and then I'm going to read 32 and 33. 
kind of as if they were contiguous in chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot serve God in fear. You cannot serve God and anything or anyone else but God. They'll lead you away. Uh, the, the wealth thing, serving wealth, is really a symptom. Fear is the root in the conversation that he's having in these verses. It's like, if you fear for your needs, then you'll cease to serve God because you'll, take and you'll, you'll, you'll devote your attention to mammon or wealth or gaining money so that you can meet your needs. But God says that's not the way that we're supposed to live. So, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other. I'm going to contextualize this. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and fear. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So here's the pattern that I want you to see. When God speaks to us, it's often like this. He'll present a truth. He'll present an admonition. And he'll present a promise. An admonition like, I'm calling you here. I'm calling you to believe. I'm calling you to do. So the truth in this course of scripture is you can't serve two masters. It's not possible. God's declared it to us. We have to make a decision. Are we going to serve fear in this case, or are we going to serve God by way of faith? The admonition that he gives us is do not be worried about your life. And the promise is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all you need will be added to you. Truth, you can't serve two masters. Admonition, don't be worried about your life. Promise, if you'll be about God's business, he will take care of you. Now uh, turn to the right in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. These are Margie scriptures. All right, starting in Chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or knowledge or understanding, all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The truth. We're not to be anxious about anything. Zero anxiety. And most people would say, well, there's just no way. And I say, way, there is a way that we can be anxious for nothing if we trust God and we believe what he says. And we understand the call in our lives because we know his truth and we're acknowledging his truth. I'm telling you, we do not have to be anxious for anything. That's the truth. The admonition, there's really two. The truth is also an admonition. Be anxious for nothing. God is admonishing us. He's calling us not to embrace anxiety. The second admonition is pray with supplication and thanksgiving. So he's saying 
don't be anxious. If anxiety tries to get on you, then you're to pray with supplication and thanksgiving. And the promise is God's peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. What is he leaving? Where's the room he gives us for anxiety? He gives us none. How about that as a way to live? But what about, but what about, but what about? Let me just say a word here. I, I forgot to get it in my notes, but it was with me yesterday when I was preparing. <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm joking, but I'm not. No buts. There's no buts. There's no buts. Be anxious for nothing. No but. The minute you hear yourself starting to say but, like, but, you don't know my situation, but God this or God that or God did or God didn't, but the minute you start to acknowledge but, you're drawing yourself away from the truth and you're not following the process that God wants us to follow. No buts. You don't need to unmute yourself. Say to yourself, self, no buts. Excellent. Okay. Now uh, turn further to the right to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to start in the very last part of uh, verse 5 and read through verse 7. First Peter 5 and the end of verse 5. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Okay, the truth, God cares about our circumstances. Literally, he cares for you. He cares for us. He cares for his son. He cares for his son's body. He cares for his people. That's a truth. He's not angry at you. He's not punishing you. He may be scourging you a little. He may be disciplining you a little, only for the purpose of making you to be more and more like his son, to bring about Christ in you, God-likeness in you, the truth, God cares about us. He cares about us in all our circumstances. The admonition, first, humble yourselves, and then cast your anxieties on him. The key to that one is you've got to actually learn to leave them there. Admonition, humble yourself before God and cast your anxieties to him. The promise, his grace will provide for or take away those anxieties. Interestingly, I was looking at this scripture earlier this week, and one of my commentaries spoke to humility in a way that it, it really applies to what we're talking about today. So let me just read that to you. The commentator says, The foundation of Christian humility is a dependent attitude toward God and his ability to rescue. That involves, that involves turning one's attention away from self and away from circumstances, however pressing and however painful. The believer's attitude must be one of taking it for granted that God's hand remains in control of events. So my personal biblical definition of humility is similar to this, it's, it's one, or, or pride, is whenever one places himself above God. God says, but this is what I believe. That is biblical pride. And, and humility is when we surrender underneath. And that's what he's saying, is that we need to have an attitude of depending on God for his abilities and his ability to rescue. It, it means turning our attention away from 
self and away from our circumstances, no matter how bad they are, no matter if you took five steps across the water in the middle of a storm and you fell in, you put your eyes back on Jesus, you should have never taken him off Jesus in the first place, and then our attitude be one of uh, absolutely taking it for granted. It's our baseline foundational assumption that God's hand is in control of all things. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures now that speak to faithfulness, um, really in both directions, but primarily of God. He's faithful and he is trustworthy. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. I won't comment on all these. They're fairly self-evident. Proverbs 29, 25 is where we start. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Because God is trustworthy. The fear of man. And, and I, I pondered this with the Lord and I thought, is that like the fear of man? Like, you know, I'm concerned with what a man would say. And my sense was, no, it's the actual fear that we would embrace, not the fear of man. So when we fear, it's like um, we're opening ourselves up to step into a snare or a trap. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So fear is a huge snare or a huge snap to us or excuse me trap to us but God is faithful and when we trust in him we won't find ourselves tangled up in that trap or that snare next is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 the apostle Paul here making this declaration 1 Corinthians 1 9 God is faithful God is faithful he's faithful Say it to yourself. You, you, you would do yourselves well if you're not to just um, meditate on these particular kinds of truths. It, it, is, it has changed, helped me so much, changed my perspective. I like to think I've had a biblical worldview for years, but I never really know until I'm tested in a certain area. And then I have to decide what is it that I actually am going to believe. And for the last, I don't know how long, year, 18 months, you know, somewhere like that, I, I just find myself declaring back to God the truth that he's my provider, that he's my healer, that he's my deliverer, that, that he is faithful and he would never leave me, he would never forsake me. No matter what thoughts might be trying to find their way into my head, I demand myself to agree with those things. And sometimes, and you might want to do this too, maybe we'll do it at the end, I, I will declare, if I have come into agreement with anything that's not true, according to your truth, Lord, and your word, I declare by the choice of my will and with the words of my mouth that I disagree with those things. I reject, I renounce any agreement I've made with the enemy, with his lies, with his deceptions, and I declare that your truth is the only truth, and I will live my life, and I will see everything through the word of your truth, God. And, and I just continually reinforce myself that way. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. 
Lamentations. I know it's to the left. The Lamentations wouldn't be a quick find for me if I was. Chapter 3, verse 22. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. For the Lord's loving kindnesses, plural, loving kindnesses, indeed never cease. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, and then we'll skip 6 and jump to 7. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 and verse 7. They're the counterbalance to each other. All right, Jeremiah 17. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. I think turns away in, in this specific context. It's true in general, but in this specific context, context is, is by not trusting God who places his trust in himself or in mankind to be the power or the source for his needs. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. That's a pretty powerful statement at the end of verse 7. And whose trust is the Lord. Just like Jesus is the way, Jesus is truth, and Jesus is life. Trust is the Lord. It, it's nothing else. It's the Lord. We don't know it or understand it or, or understand how things happen, but anything that we have, anything that's worth having, anything that's good or excellent, whether we're a Christian or we hate God, came from his throne. Everything good. He is trust. All trust has to be towards him. Okay. I hope I mean I can't see you guys from my notes, so I hope that this is this is helping you to do battle with that spirit of fear that's trying to bring us away from God and into whatever kind of mess it wants us into. Turn to Proverbs chapter three. You're gonna be really familiar with these, but I want I want you to see the pattern again. Or at least a portion of the pattern. I'm sorry? Kendrick has a word. Go ahead, Kendrick. Kendrick? Can you hear me now? Yep. In verse 6 of chapter 17 that you didn't read, I think it's kind of important to look at this. For the man who trusts in flesh, basically, he shall be like a heath in the desert or like a, a, a desert plant. And he shall not see when good comes, but he shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. This is that sense of separation from God and living a life of just thirst and a life of hunger. For because we're not trusting him, we're trusting man someplace. And I think this is an actual, uh, an active 
trusting in man, believing that man has got something good for me when he doesn't. And so in trusting that man, or even trusting myself, he says that I'll be like that, that desert plant without water, without food, and alone. And that's what I'll feel and sense. However, if I trust the Lord, as you already wrote, or read there, verse that, I'm blessed and, and because my hope is in him. Yeah. He Amen, Kenard. And, and I like the reference to fruitfulness. You know, there's more to just our life in the Lord, like way more than just our circumstances, our comfort, our whatever. We're, we're uh, regenerate also for the purpose of serving the living God, of, of being about the purposes of Jesus on this earth and being fruitful. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, going to read through verse 5 through verse 10 this time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So there's an, admo- an, admonish- ad- ugh, an admonishment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and then a promise, and he will make your path straight. Trust God. I don't need to elaborate on that. An admonishment and a promise. We would do well to heed the admonishment and know that we'll receive the promise. Going on now to verse 7 and verse 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. What's the admonishment? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And maybe in our specific context, evil would be unbelief. It would be not trusting God. Don't be wise in your own eyes. I have to take control of this situation. No, you have to let God take control. You have to trust God. And then it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. And if you're the bird, you'll get out of the trap that you're in. The minute that you go limp between God's fingers. And then... Verses 9 and 10, I'll expound a little bit more. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The admonishment, he's admonishing us. He's calling us to honor him from our wealth and from the first of our produce. The promise that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and fear. You cannot serve God and wealth. So when we're in this situation right now, to me what he's saying is like the person who says, oh, I trust you, God, I trust you, God. They run up to the grocery store and they come home with 100 rolls of toilet paper or they bought all the hand sanitizer. They're double-minded. They don't trust God. So right now we're in a situation where we have... um, People that are typically working and making a certain wage are not making that same wage. They might be making unemployment or nothing at all. We have businesses that are shutting down, and we're being challenged to decide what to do with our wealth. I think wisdom is absolutely an excellent guide, but it's not wise to not trust God. So don't be fearful with your wealth. When God is stirring you to do something to to, to bless, to 
to um, encourage to whatever with your wealth, do it. Your trust is not in how much wealth you have. Your trust is in how much God is willing, able, and promised to provide for your needs. Give me a silent amen. Amen. All right. Last set of scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Actually, if you went to Matthew chapter 8 and just went backwards, I'm going to start at 7.24 and go through 27 to try to reinforce what we've seen. Matthew 7.24. This is Jesus. If you read um, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it starts with like a sentence. In, if you have a red-letter Bible, the red letter being the words of Jesus. If you have a red-letter Bible, you have a black sentence at the beginning that sets it up and basically a black sentence at the end that closes it. And every single word between those two sentences for three chapters of Scripture is the Lord speaking, 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 speaking truth, speaking wisdom. So this is how Jesus, this most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, this is how Jesus closes all that he's just said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, conditional again, acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, everyone who hears these words of mine and does, excuse me, and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So here you have two situations, two examples of Similar circumstances, but different outcomes. What was the difference? Both men heard the words of wisdom, the teaching of Jesus, but only one was not just a hearer, but an effectual doer. Both knew the truth, but only one acknowledged the truth. One was deluded into inaction, the other was not. One by faith trusted in the Lord with all his heart, the other did not. The winds will slam against your house. Jesus never promises us that the storms aren't going to come once we become a Christian. As a matter of fact, he says that they are going to come. But he says, be of good faith because I have overcome the world. The winds are going to slam your house. The rain will fall on your house. The floods will come against your house. But let me exhort you and let me challenge you. Don't be deluded. But be the hearer the presser in, the acknowledger, the truster with all your heart, the doer of God's words, because the doer, the truster, the acknowledger, that's the person whose house does not fall when the, the COVID comes and the, the economy shuts down and, and every kind of thing that's going to make us want to fear and trust ourselves because we can't see how God is going to take care of us, that we be the one who does what he says, that we might have the freedom that he offers. We can all be the bird. Matter of fact, we've probably all been the bird. In some situations right now, we probably are the bird. But freedom comes from surrender and to trust God. Amen? Okay, one last comment 
And then I'd like to pray. And then we have another um, song that's going to bless us. And then we'll just leave the, the meeting open if anybody wants to visit for a little bit afterwards. Father God, I just declare with the words of my voice, according to my own will, that you've given me freely. And Lord, for every person that would agree with this, that would say amen when this prayer is done, I'm speaking these words on their behalf as well. We trust you. You are faithful and you are trustworthy. You are the only rock that's secure. There is no shifting sand in you. Lord, and we fasten ourselves to your security, to your abilities and your desires to look after your church and to bring us to that place of fruitfulness, God, when we agree with you. So I declare that we do. Right now, I renounce any agreement that I've made and on behalf of the others with their amen, any agreement that any of us have made with that which isn't true. In any place where we've we've not trusted you, where we haven't surrendered ourselves and gone limp in your hand so that you could free us from the, the fireplace or whatever the the trap or the snare is that fear has tried to find us or get us into, Lord. We renounce those agreements. We reject them. We, re, we renounce and reject any agreement with the deception of the enemy that would be anything at all that's contrary to your truth. And we say, God, that we agree with you. We agree with you 100%. We agree with you without exception. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight, Lord. When, when the floods come and the rains come and, and all the winds are blowing against our house, Lord, we stay fastened to the truth by being not just hearers of your word, but effectual doers of your word. When your word says, trust me, we trust you, Lord. We trust you with everything that you've given us as stewards, even our own selves. We're only stewards of ourselves. You're the owner of ourselves. So I praise you, God. I ask you to stir us. When when one of us needs to be able to see, can't see the forest or the trees, Lord, that you'll stir them towards somebody that can help them. Or you'll stir us towards somebody to call them and say, hey, are you okay? I pray, Lord, that nobody would be concerned with what anybody else is going to think about them, that they've taken on a little spirit of fear. The devil is very deceptive, Lord. He's a very worthy adversary to us, but he is he is not even measurable compared to you. There is no number that we could multiply against Satan himself and come to you. You are infinitely greater he who is in us is greater than he who is in this world. And we look to you, Lord. We look to help one another to you, Lord, that our faith is in you, that our trust is in you, that our hope is in you, and that you are able, capable, and desirous, desirous to bring us through, that you're in control of all situations, that you are righteous and that you are good. And I make these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, I just I want to um, make a confession to you, and I want to just make a quick comment that was in my head. That was that was awesome. I mean, that was awesome. And, and the devil tries to get in my head sometime, and like, wow, that song's taking a really long time. I looked at my watch, and it was like five after eleven or something. And the thought that popped into my head is, some of you, not all of you, but some of you, by if this were a normal Sunday at ten thirty in the church building, your chair's not even warm yet at 11.15. So we've been less than two hours. I, I, I want to make a confession. I want to make some acknowledgments. Um, I battled this week with um, with the devil trying to tell me that I don't have anything to say. And um, the testimony helped me a lot, but I was still struggling with it's going to be a stinker. And I had to spend a lot of time before the Lord and telling them that there's there's no anything that calls that of my responsibility before the Lord is is to be concerned with whether or not you think I'm a good preacher or that that I'm anybody. It's only to bring forth truth and exalt the Lord and and I battled my way through that stuff. But I praise God because Patty's testimony, Emery's song, every song. You know, Margie, forgive me, but I don't look at the songs. All I wanted to know is are there going to be songs and when are they going to be? And and look at the song that you close the service with. I just praise God that you hear his voice and, and you move according to whether you recognize it or you don't that everything today happened individually all by itself and it was all one cohesive wonderful message from God to give us courage and faith not to give in to fear. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, the Lord says, I'm pleased with this intimate setting, and I feel your closeness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yep. Wow. Well, with that, I say have a great Sunday. In every time zone, it's only 11.15 in the morning.